3: Just after 5 o'clock, welcome back to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live on Orders Nation YouTube. Thanks, as always, for being involved in the conversation uh, on there. Or, of course, you can text us, 833-401-1440 in our uh, Jiffy Lube inbox. The uh, Greger Show, presented by uh, PlayAlberta.ca, where, whoo, mama. Lotto 649, tonight. How about that? $28 million in the gold ball jackpot. Uh, if you want to do a lottery, they got live dealer, of course, casino, uh, sports, whatever you do, stay within your limits. Use your game sense. Go to gamesense.ab.ca. Uh, order news today. Not much. Sam Gagne was on the ice. Uh, looks like Stuart Skinner could be uh, in goal. Tomorrow night for the uh, Edmonton Orders, uh, which means we'll probably see Jack Campbell on Saturday afternoon against the uh, Nashville Predators, who he stopped 42 of 43 shots against for their first victory of the season this year. Um, defense pairings were the same. Nurse, CC, Bouchard was back with comb, no surprise. Uh, and he's played there a lot. Uh, Deharnay with Kulak, uh, Broberg was the seventh defenseman. Um, Matthias Janmark not on the ice. Uh, he will not play tomorrow, so they'll go 11 and 7 again. What was interesting a little bit was they had uh, the top two lines were really five forwards in white. McDavid, Drysettle, Kane, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman. And then they had in the blue jerseys, Fogle, McLeod, Holloway, Ryan, Sam Gagne, and uh, Connor Brown. So uh, we'll see. Uh, remember it against uh, Calgary, Ryan McLeod was really the fourth line center in a lot of the shifts, and they were rotating uh, amongst the third line. So uh, we'll see. Maybe they do that again uh, tomorrow. We'll find out. Let's get to the spec Report now, brought to you by GS Construction. Uh, They will be celebrating 50 years in business next year. You want to work for a great company that's been around? It's a very stable company to work for. Lots of great benefits. Go to Indeed.com and look up GS Construction. They do tons in the community. As uh, we welcome back to the show from Roger Sportsnet, Mark Spector. And, man, Spec is just smiling today, very excited that um, his wife – Shelka doesn't abide by the same rules as the NHL. Could you imagine the mistakes you made two years ago, Spec, if you had to pay for it today? Like the Ottawa Senators did?
4: <laughs> I paid for them then, and I'm still paying for them today, pal. <laughs> You're married, aren't you too?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah. No, not not very often. I think I've learned enough that uh, I don't... Uh, my wife's got... Uh, she's pretty easygoing, so I've, I've rarely... Uh, I, I have to say, I don't think I've ever actually been in the doghouse. Like, uh, like, I've heard stories of guys in the doghouse for doing really dumb stuff. Most of the dumb stuff I've done doesn't involve her, so she just kind of Shakes her head, so um, (laughs) so I never have to go in the doghouse for my stupidity. So
4: there you go, perfect.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, but uh, what like what? Yeah, first round pick spec. So. If the worst thing Dorian did was lie, which is, you know, Friedman, I think, had it in his 32 thoughts saying that, you know, he didn't divulge that to, to Vegas. Supposedly they asked and he said, no, there was no, uh, now this, you know, from Elliot. So, you know, supposedly, it's back that they didn't tell him that he had the, the 10 team, uh, no trade list. Okay. So let's just say that's all true, right? So you're going to now take away a first round pick because of that. Then it happened back in the summer of 2021. And the guys who handed down this discipline spec are the same guys then. You're you're, you're giving someone a, a loss of a first-round pick for not divulging the truth. And we as the NHL, oh, hey, Mr. Andlauer. Oh, no, 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 we're not going to tell you about this. We're not going to tell you about the Shane Pinto thing, but you buy the team. And that's okay for us. Like, the hypocrisy is disgusting.
4: I, I saw exactly the same thing. They did not divulge certain information to him that only the NHL would have known. Yes. Right. The, the thing about this one that I don't really understand. And I think I'd have to talk to, uh, in fact, I will talk to like Bill Scott next time I see him, the orders cap guy. All of these things, no trade lists, any kind of caveat surrounding any kind of contract. It's all down on paper somewhere. It's all yeah. part, you know, every contract begins with a standard player's contract, and then there's conditions and trade, you know, no trade lists and how many and how many times do I get to redo, must I refile my no trade list, right? Lots of guys have to refile it every year. You know, uh in year three of my contract, my five-team no trade list can go to 10. There's all that stuff, Right. Yeah. Why doesn't? Why didn't Vegas access that? Why is it not in a computer database for Vegas to access? Why? I'm not saying it's right that Dorian kept it private, but to me, that's a pretty lousy system the National Hockey League has. If the, if every single team who's looking at trading for Evgeny Dadonov can't just go into the system and see the entirety of his contract, not just part of it, the whole thing. And the NHL saying, "Oh well, yeah, our system—I mean, their system's no good." They're, you're right; they're holding yeah. back stuff from Adlauer, and they're dinging Ottawa for the whole thing. I don't like it much either.
3: Yeah, and, like this—this this far after the fact. Like, if if you want to punish Dorian for it, I have no problem. Why not punish him right after it happened? Right? So Vegas and Anaheim are upset, and uh, so that happens in March of 2022. You have April, you have May. The Senators weren't in the playoffs. Make the decision then before the draft, like what type of deep dive in, like the NHL, all they're showing here is their investigations might be the longest drawn out investigations yeah. in the world. And uh, like, cause clearly there's only two things that happen here, Spec, Either they told them or they, or they withheld the information knowingly or unknowingly. That's it. Like there's nothing else that could happen here to negate the trade, right? There's nothing else that I can think of. Can
4: cool. you? No, and and that's you know this is it, it's like I've been a journalist for a long time, and on my I, from my side of it, the lack of information just creates a vacuum, and it sends all the guys like you and me and Drager and LeBrun and and Elliot Friedman to work. Let's find out what really happened here. And the I, I am so unimpressed with the NHL's um, transparency. Ugh. It's time for Gary to go. Right. They make this decision on pride tape unilaterally. It's the dumbest decision you ever heard. You know, Travis Dermott puts some on a stick, and then they flip-flop, and there's no culpability. There's no NHL saying, man, did we screw that up? That would go a long ways. Well, they don't do that. They send out the Shane Pinto ruling with zero information as to what's really going on. Guys have been digging on that for a week, and we're going to find out more about that. I guarantee you. And now this one comes out and it's, there's still all these question marks. Meanwhile, the Ottawa senators lose a first round pick. I don't like any of it, pal. Like run your business more transparently. Fans pay a lot of money for the national hockey league. They deserve better. Oh,
3: hundred percent. What are your, what are your expectations for Sam Gagne?
4: My expectations for Sam Gagne? That's a good question. Um, You know, to be – I guess in the best world, he's your fourth-line center. And he wins some – you know, he has a good face-off percentage. He kills some penalties for you. And he never gets scored on. That's what you're hoping for. How many goals is he going to get? How long is he going to stay? You know, in your wildest dreams, your fourth-line center gets 10 goals if he plays 82 games. So you tell me, what should we expect offensively from saint Five goals, six goals? What do
3: you think? Yeah, no, that's fair, right? Um, I, I also I'm not sure how long he'll be here. That's the other question, right? Like I, I no, not either. Yeah, you know, when I look at Ryan and and Gagne, if they go with eleven forwards, and technically that's your tenth and eleventh forward, I, you know, I'm not sure if either one's here at the deadline to be or in the lineup yeah. after the no. uh, the trade deadline, right? Like I think Edmonton is going to want to revamp that. They're going to want to get a little bit, you know, add some no. different dimensions uh, to their fourth yeah. line. And so which is fine. Lots of teams do that. Uh, You know, what you have in your roster in October isn't necessarily what you have in your roster come March. That happens to lots of contending teams. I, I think they're hoping that Sam Gagne can maybe bring a little bit more offensive creativity to the game right now. I think that's what they're looking for, like you know, finish off a play or set up some other guys for some plays. I think that's what they'll be looking for. Uh, you know, Adam Ernie, you know, Adam Ernie is what he is. It's funny he actually led his team in scoring and goals one year in Detroit. Um, So you know what? Hey, because blind squirrel can find an acorn, so I, I, you know, he did that. But Adam Ernie's not really a, you know, an offensive minded player. He he's goes up and down the wing, will you know block shots, but he didn't really do a lot. Now, granted, the last game he played three minutes, I know, but in other games when you played seven or eight minutes, you didn't really know much. Um you you know, I saw him miss two or three really good chances from Derek Ryan, and I think that might actually be the yeah. downfall of Adam Ernie was just yeah. his inability. He put himself in the right spot and then couldn't cash.
4: Yeah, Derek Ryan is the guy on that line. Like he's the one fourth line player in Edmonton that that you can count on to create some offensive chances. He's really smart. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 too bad that he's older and, you know, not really quick anymore and not very big, <laughs> but he plays the game with his brain. How many great, great looking hockey players have we seen come through town over the years that have the cat figure out how to play? Yeah. Ryan's the opposite. He looks like a guy walking down the street, like the pharmacist that he wanted to be, <laughs> right? But he's a smart player. Uh So he'll furnish some chances. I'm going to tell you, like I told you yesterday, Jay, I don't think you can have a fourth line when the push comes to shove in, in March and April and May with Gagne and Ryan on it. No, You're too small. I agree. You're too small. You yeah. need more size. So too small- I think Ryan's here to stay. I think it's the other guys that get shuffled around. Okay.
3: Um. You look, you know, we've talked a lot about some guys who have to get going. I I was doing some number crunching, and obviously the bottom of the lineup hasn't scored very much. But did you know the Edmonton Oilers forward group is 30th in goals? Even if the fourth line and the guys are producing, they're not all scoring a goal, right? They're not all going to have a a goal right now through eight games. You'd like it, but it's very rare. Look around the league, nobody has it. it. Their top guys, their top two lines have a total combined of 16 goals. They had 23 goals through the first eight games last year. Their top six guys, and okay. so uh, even the orders top six spec, they haven't finished. They haven't produced. They haven't played as well offensively as they should. The power plays at only 24 percent. When you, and you're 29 for five years, you know they're not producing to the level that they're capable of. Um hmm. Like October was bad all around. I, I, it's hard to find any element where you can, like there's some individuals. Warren Fogle had a really good month, right? I think he had a good month. I'd probably give Zach Hyman, Leon Dreisaitl pretty good. But there's lots of other guys that, that can play better. And overall, you know, what? some guys who just need to score more. And so I really think November, the orders get back to the team that they should be. But that does include the top six. I don't want to excuse the top six because I don't think collectively as a top six, they've done enough finishing around the
4: net. Well, Remember Tim Solani He used to talk about the ketchup bottle. He used to say, you start pounding on that ketchup bottle and eventually it all comes out at once. <laughs> right? Yeah. So. You know, this is the theory. Uh, I think we see it, and, and we've watched hockey long enough, everybody out there. We've seen an Oilers team that for a, a bunch of games early on, they they did not look like a team that was about to get a bunch of offense. Mm. Nothing like it. Like that Rangers game, forget oh. it. They were, the Philly game, there's no offense there. No. But we have seen recently some games here where, you know, you're getting a feeling like they're starting to come, Right. There's more guys being productive. I thought, you know, uh, Brown's a good example. He had three or four chances in that uh, Calgary game that made you think something's on the horizon. So I think you're right. I think the ketchup bottle's probably, you know, hopefully for them in a place where once it comes, it really starts to come. Once the big boys get going, the guys below them get going. We've seen this order team lead the league in offense, and, and they didn't do it by mistake. Mm-hmm. So I would say to you that what do they say? Revert to the mean. I think it's about time this team reverted to the mean.
3: Yeah, um, looking at at a few other things. Back I know you you follow baseball? The uh, Texas Rangers yeah. on the cusp of their first ever uh, World Series victory. Do you do you think that do the do the comeback kids have one more comeback in them, or is this uh, you know the fat lady will be singing tonight?
4: Uh well, it's a baseball, so you never know. Uh, you know what? I, I love what Texas has done. They've been that Cinderella team there. You know what are they? Ten and O on the road in the playoffs? Like yeah. ten and O on the road in the yeah. playoffs? How do you how do you do that? You know, I know it's baseball. It's not home ice advantage isn't as big a deal, but ten in a row. So they got something special. They're that special team, man. They're the team that nobody picked. They barely made it in. I recall late in the season they're playing a series with Seattle where whoever won that series was going to probably be a wild card, and the other team was going home. So they snuck in the, in the back door, and now they're going to win the World Series maybe. So good for them. I love the story. I like the team. I like the manager. You know, I, I like what they're doing. Like, they hit the long ball. That's Sager. Man, he doesn't just hit a home run. He flattens the baseball when he hits a home run. So I've enjoyed watching them. I'll be honest with you, Jay. I didn't watch Texas a lot all year. Who did? But uh they're a fun team to watch. They win on a long ball, and if they do win tonight, well, hell, I'll be cheering for them.
3: <laughs> that, no, hey, they, it, that is a fantastic stat that you brought up about uh, you know their their inability to lose, I love saying that, their inability to lose on the uh, on the road, which is uh which is fantastic. and That's it, it uh I will say this i I do find myself in any sport. When it's not a team, I either loathe because um, there are, there are a few teams that I'm just like God, I can't stand them. But uh, the Texas Rangers aren't one of them, and I look and say, man, there's a fan base that you could see being a Rangers fan that long. Be like, hey, like yeah. I, you know, I remember Juan Gonzalez. God, he's one of my favorite players in the nineties. Man, the guy hit a ton, and they, they, you know, they had some pretty good players over the years. But you know, they came close Nolan a few times. Nolan Ryan, you know, they came close a few times. Uh, you know, Julio Franco, one of the greatest stances of all time. Yeah. So I, uh, Buddy Bell, you know, third yeah.
4: baseman named Buddy Bell, yeah. was awesome. So I, you know, what,
3: I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for them. Just, uh, you know, and it's not not so much for the players, cause I don't have any connection to them, but as much as I probably am rooting for their fans, which is why I, I know this sounds dumb. Cause if you're a fan base, you just want to win. You don't care cause there's no guarantees if you lose game five that you win game six or seven. But yep. part of me would like to have um, them lose tonight. So then, uh, ranger fans can be in the building when they win the championship in game six
4: or seven. Yeah. That's that. Didn't we just see Texas win game six and seven in uh, Houston? Yeah, oh, I, I know. That's what did. I'm saying. So
3: guaranteed. So that's yeah. why you wouldn't ask for it. But I'm just for somebody who's not emotionally invested in it. And yeah, that's you know, fair. Doesn't care if there's an X-ray. Like, that would be a fun thing to see.
4: And I think Arizona won. Did they win game six and seven in Philly? Yeah, they did. Yes, no. I think they did. So that's dangerous. I hear what you're saying. I, you know what? I'm always that guy. Like, I'm not a fan. I'm a journalist that try not to be a fan. I'm a fan of the sports I don't cover, but in hockey, and you probably, you might kick me off your show for saying this, but is there a longer suffering fan base than the Leafs? I mean, look, you want your orders to win because we're Edmonton, and and it would be great for our city. I'm not here cheering for them. I'm not waving the pom poms. I think people know that, but if it's not the orders, the, the Canucks fan base, they've been around since 1970. They've never won a Stanley cup. We've won five in Edmonton, Yeah, right? The Leafs haven't won since the mid sixties. There's no bigger fan base in the world. I'm, I'm that guy, Jay. I, I, I like to see a fan base rewarded. Those people are bleeding the colors of their team. I mean, bleeding it and had zero look at Buffalo. I'm watching the Sabres play Philly here. Like they've been in the league as long as Vancouver. They never won a cup. How much would it mean to an old, long-suffering grandpa that's been a season ticket holder since 1970? Are you kidding me? I'd love to see that guy hoist a cup one day.
3: Yeah, no, totally fair. Spec, yep. uh, have a great day. We will uh, can do a little scouting tonight as the Dallas Stars are in yeah. Calgary for order fans who've got the Twitch. It's been three games since uh, three days since a game, so you can watch the uh, Flames and the Stars as a uh, Dallas won on Monday over Columbus. They'll be in Calgary tonight and then in Edmonton
4: tomorrow. So I'm guessing. Who's playing goal here for Dallas? Do they get the Ottinger in Calgary, or do we get them in Edmonton?
3: Uh you know what? Uh, that's a good question. I haven't even uh, I haven't even looked mm-hmm. to uh, to see who's starting about the next in, minutes. In, <laughs> in goal. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll see who it is Uh for the orders. On well, I know they'll say, yeah, "Come on, Gregor doesn't." Yeah, it, it shouldn't matter who plays goal if the orders play up to their capabilities. Then uh, you can't let a hot goalie beat them. I'll say that. Right, part of it. Hey, bear down. You got uh, that much skill on offense. Don't I? Don't care who's the backup. When they're playing their third game in four nights, that's a game the Oilers should win tomorrow.
4: This is a sneaky important game. You know, you got to make this Calgary Heritage thing last. Yes, you got to get it through the weekend. You got to get back in this thing, man. They're still in thirtieth place in the league. They're still got two wins to their name. This is this is still sneaky important. Another loss and a tie against Nashville, and you're right back where you were. So no. this is time for the Oilers. They're getting a second chance here, and I'm not telling you there's going to be a third. So they got to get after it. I think they will. I think they can. But don't let this off the hook. This important game here.
3: Thanks, Speck. Appreciate it. All right, brother. That is uh, Mark Spector. joins uh, every day right here on Sports 1440, presented by GS Construction. 521, Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. Uh, coming up on the uh, program, a big trade. We'll talk about that. We got uh, more text to get to in our uh, Jiffy Lube inbox on The Greger Show, presented by playalberta.ca. 526, Jason Greger. Connor Halley with you. We've got uh, Jeff Skinner thinking the uh, Sabres are uh, maybe going to uh, get rolling here a little bit. A good start. For him and uh, Buffalo, as they are leading Philadelphia by a score of uh, two to one, uh, Skinner with uh, a goal and an assist. Uh, Fairby uh, has his fifth; he scored in the first minute of the game tonight for uh, Philadelphia. the uh, The only other game tonight has a. Uh, oh no, sorry. There's four games. There's Calgary and uh, Dallas, then St. Louis, Colorado, and and a game here. Honestly, if you have the NHL Network, I'm not even joking. Arizona, Anaheim. That's actually a appealing game from an entertainment standpoint. Both teams have been playing quite fast this year. The uh, the Ducks look like a completely different team under Cronin. Completely different team. Like they play hard, they play fast, they got a little fire in them. Their coach is getting kicked out of games. Like when was the last time you saw a coach kicked out of the game? Although I thought he had a legit beef, man. I thought that review on goalie interference was whew, pretty weak. Pretty weak in my opinion. So, we'll see. Anyway, let's get to the uh, NBA report brought to you by Legacy Cooling and Heating Home with a no payments, no interest for one year on your furnace. Don't wait till it conks out. Plan ahead. Get one now at legacyheating.ca. As uh, we are joined by uh, Paul Sir once again, uh, of course, uh, former uh, pro player and coach for many years in uh, Europe. And uh, Paul, uh, as a gentleman who's uh, wearing a beard, the beard got traded again. And uh, now he's going to the Clippers, and I, I just wonder, like, how is it going to be different? Do you, do you think this is going to work with him in LA? Well,
0: why would it? Uh, <laughs> but why why wouldn't you take the chance that it might? Uh, this reminds me of uh, Messiah Jury rolling the dice with uh, Kawhi Leonard, but on the but uh, what I would call bizarro world. Kawhi Leonard of the guy who you'd have no idea if he's going to like where he's at, if he's going to show up to play, uh, is he in shape? I have no idea what he's going to, what he's going to do, but I know what the Clippers are thinking. They've got a window. They've got two superstars, aging, injury prone. So they bring in a disgruntled, but highly talented, most likely future hall of famer bringing in and seeing if they can be the one, uh, the franchise that figures it out.
3: So what, like, what do they do with Westbrook here? Do they just get rid of him? Like that's, that's what like that's what I just don't understand.
0: That, that that's a great. That's isn't that interesting to have a former MVP, a guy who averaged two consecutive years, uh, averaged a triple double, and you, it, you're using the expression I think most people use with him, Jason. Is, Should we just get rid of him? Let's yeah. just uh, let's just get him out of here. Yeah, it's just crazy to think that that Russell Westbrook is such uh such an enigma that you would bring him in and your first response is, well I guess we gotta just move him again and uh you know and try to get whatever we can for him and clear the way for West uh for um Harden to do what Harden does.
3: Yeah but that well could be the case. Yeah, because I, I just don't see how it works,
0: right, with them. Do you? I don't know how Westbrook works with anybody. Like it's just he's the Uh, he's just such an odd fit, uh, an absolute square peg in in the basketball round hole of trying to find a way for this guy to be effective on your team. Individually, still, he has magic runs and magic moments, but his shot selection is always questionable. He can't shoot the three with any kind of consistency, and he has never met a shot he didn't like. And if the (laughs) shot's even close to being there, he's going to take it. So, uh, yeah, I think I I think you're to your point, Jason, they're going to probably do everything they can to move them out of the way. So there's uh, even less locker room drama and just try to let the big three go on that team.
3: Looking at the Raptors, uh, they're one and three to start, although they're off to a great start tonight against Milwaukee but it's only like 10 minutes into the game and uh but they've only missed two shots uh their Oginobi, Siak, and Podel, and Barnes are are, are shooting 11 of 13 which is pretty good. But um Gary Trent Jr. coming off the bench now, um do you like this form this formation this starting five of the Raptors better? I know the record doesn't say they're great and I don't think the team's that good to be honest, but what what do you make early on of what you've seen from this new Raptor team?
0: You know, when we talked last week uh, I, I think what I feel now is the same as I felt last week, which is this is just an odd combination of players with similar skill sets at a variety of positions. So finding uh, finding a way to get this team to function efficiently and work well together, I think, is a huge challenge because it's so it's just so different. Uh, they don't ha- they, they shoot the ball poorly, like you said. They're eleven for thirteen so far but they had a pretty good lead against Portland the other night and weren't able to hold on to it. Uh, this is a team with a very weak bench. So top six, they have a lot of talent, not championship caliber talent, but talent. Uh, beyond that, very weak, uh, no depth. I think I don't think anybody feels they have good depth on this team. So I think they've got their work cut out for them. And what i, I the big question mark to me, Jason, is how are they going to get the most out of Pascal Siakam in this lineup, he's in a contract year. Is this the perfect time for the Raptors to try to make a deal for him and get get some value for him? Because I can't see him being happy after another year where his role may very well be diminished. So uh, it's a it it's a it's a team that I really have no sense for. I think they're going to win some games. Whether I, I think they're a borderline playoff team. But they're certainly not in any position to make what I would call a serious run and a division title in the way they're configured, at least. And it's it's, it's early. I just don't see the chemistry evolving out of this mix of players.
3: And that's fair, Paul Sergio. And uh, the big one for me is like – now, I know it's early, and this is only early in this game, but shooting's been an issue now in Toronto for a while, right? And I'm not sure that the guys they brought in are going to make them that much better of a shooter. Now, maybe they're going to have better shot selection. Maybe they're not going to be as fatigued uh, as much. We'll see. But, you know, like it's not like suddenly they've expanded their bench a whole lot through the first four games.
0: Well, the, the young guy, Grady Dick, I think he's the guy that if they're going to improve their shooting Ah, uh, dramatically, he's okay. going to have to get minutes, and he's going to have to get good minutes early. Okay, what concerns me is like if they're going to try to nursemaid him in. There's a lot of players that you just have to put in and let. He's an older player; you just have to let him get out there, and and you have to you have to go with him if you believe this guy is the answer. I mean, he's got size. He's already demonstrated he can shoot it. You you've got to make him one of your top seven. And give him fifteen to twenty-five minutes a game, in my opinion, and live with the results because he could be that guy to address the issue you just defined, Jason. They are not a good shooting team, and he's a good shooter, so find a way to get him
3: good shots. As a coach, can you just draw plays up for him? What's the best way to get him shots? You can. I mean, you
0: can you can draw up quick hits for him and run him off screens, a la Golden State and what they do for Curry and Thompson, the problem I think that the Raptors have is they're not that kind of team right now and they don't play that way, but maybe that's where uh, the new coach has to adapt and run some sets for this young guy. But I also think because they have good penetrators and Schroeder and Scotty Barnes and Siakam, they can get into the middle and they can create space. If Dick can uh, space the court out, they should be able to kick it out to him for some shots too. And as well, corner threes in some ball movements and rotations, you should be able to get him a a corner three or two in a game as well. There's no reason a player like him can't get six to ten shots a game if it's a point of emphasis. And that, I think, is going to be the challenge for the Raptors is where are they going to emphasize getting their shots from? Are they going to be a one-on-one team? Or are they going to integrate some more ball movements, some more sets, some more screening in order to free people up? I'm a big fan of that, Jason, to be honest. I think there's way too much one-on-one stuff in the NBA, and I think the Raptors are particularly guilty of this, whereas I think if you mix it up like the, like the Warriors do, you become a much, a, a much better team that takes advantage of the type of talent that you have, and I don't think the Raptors always do that.
3: Paul Sir Jones, Paul. Let's go locally of course cuz um uh you know CIS uh, starts up the, this weekend in basketball for the band. well the bears for sure and the pandas. Uh wh- what's your expectations for those two basketball teams?
0: They should be good. Um the bears barely lost to Carlton. Uh barely lost to Uvic. Uvic beat Carlton by 25. It's preseason. Uh they've got a good core of fifth year players that I, I think are as good as any threesome in Canada West, certainly, and among the best in youth sports. Problem is depth. They lost a couple of good players at the last minute, one that decided to go to prep school instead of going to the U of A. And uh, I know that hurts them in, in their depth. I, I think they'll be good. Whether they'll be national contender good with the, with the lack of depth that they have, I don't know. Pandas should also be good. Uh, they lost a lot of firepower last year, but uh, Scott uh, Edwards, as he usually does, had a good recruiting class. He's got some good underclassmen. So I, I, think, I think it looks real good for the, the Bears and the Pandas to be highly competitive this year, and they get started this weekend with the University of Saskatchewan. So let's hope the local fans get out there and support both teams.
3: What about McEwen?
1: That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST.
0: That's tough. That's tough. They just, uh, uh, men's program has, is systemically weak. Unfortunately, they're going to have to just demonstrate that they can win games. They've had a, uh, a couple of real, real bad seasons. Hopefully, uh, Mike Connolly has been able to shore up his lineup. Uh, Catherine Adams with the women's they you know, they, they were in a lot of games last year. They have almost everybody back. I think they will be better this year. I don't think either team will be a threat uh, to finish in the upper echelon, but if both teams can show improvement, that certainly would be a good building block uh, for both programs.
3: Paul, as always, my man, great to talk to you. We will uh, chat with you again next week. Have a good one. You
0: too, Jason. Thanks so much.
3: That's uh, Paul, sir, joining us. Of course, uh, Long time, uh, basketball coach and, uh, player in Europe, uh, does so much, uh, for the, uh, basketball community here. Of course, I uh, heavily involved with 3X3 as well. 537, Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you. Uh, we'll return. We got some, uh, numbers to discuss. Uh, Sam Gagne, uh, probably hear from him. Maybe, of course, uh, he's back in Edmonton and just, hey, he's excited to get back. Right, uh wants to contribute. I think he knows what his role is in the in the bottom six. Um I don't have massive expectations of him. You know, people say hey it can be better than Anna Murray. Well, you know what, if you're two, three percent better at any position, your team gets better. So I, I do think Sam Gagne has a has a better track record of being able to finish. Um, I don't think he's gonna add, you know, physicality uh, in that regard. Although I will say this about Ganya, like Gagne's showing, you know what, if he gets mad, he'll fight guys. He doesn't care. Right? He's not worried in that regard. So I think he knows what he needs to do. Uh, the big question for him was the double hip surgeon. How's he feeling? He says he feels great. He says that, uh, you know, he has no pain. His mobility's better. So, uh, we'll be interested to see, you know, how he looks. So you got to think he's going to be fired up, man. I don't care. This will be game 1016 for Sam Gagne, but, uh, he's back at first third tour of duty, which I know Ryan, Ryan, Smith came back, right? How many other players have had, uh, has anybody else had a, like Marty McSorley? Anybody else have like three tours where they played? Came back. Anybody else you can think of? Order fans. Let me know. Rexy roots aligned it. I got to go back in the eighties and look at his because I know he left and he came back. We'll see. I'm trying to think if anybody's had three. So we'll find out next. On the Jason Greger Show presented by Play Alberta.ca. Five forty three. We've had a lot of questions. Uh, I reached out to an NHL uh, capologist and want to read uh, what his answer was, because I asked like about Vegas in this trade with Ottawa. Right. So uh, when they make the trade, people are like, well, wouldn't Vegas have known? It says uh, the capologist said to me that uh, you are aware of the language in the contract regarding a list but you aren't aware of the teams on the list or if the player properly filed the list with the team at the noted time slash deadline. So when it's in July, right? Uh, the player has to submit his list. Uh, usually it's, uh, in the offseason. Usually it comes like by May 31st. That's usually what it is. Not always. Usually that's what it is because that's for the upcoming start of the season, right? Like the upcoming start of the season always starts July 1st. That's when the next year the contract begins. So, uh, so Vegas by this. Would have at least known there was a no trade clause, like a a, a limited no trade clause. It wouldn't know what teams are on it. But then when they asked, so that's why I don't know. Like I'm not excusing Ottawa by any stretch of the imagination here. I just the lack of transparency from the NHL on this is is mind blowing, especially uh, when you consider that uh, they didn't, uh, they weren't really transparent with the new owner of the uh, Ottawa Senators. Hmm. funny. So, you know what? Uh, during the break, we were looking up guys who, who who I've found a lot of players who had two tours of duty. Uh, uh, and we'll get to the uh, uh, in the room brought to you by Action Electrical, 50 years in business. They are one of the uh, most elec- uh, uh, diversified electrical contractors in all of Alberta. they got four divisions in projects, service, TAG, and energy and solar. Check it out, actionelectrical.net. And uh, in the order's room, when you think about two tours of duty, uh, Rexy Ritulainen, right? He won a cup in 87, then he came back, won a cup again in 1990. You had Ryan Smith. Mike Comrie. Remember Mike Comrie? And remember, like, he came back that year. He had 13 goals, 21 points in 43 games. And, you know, was kind of beloved by the fans. Remember the preseason tilt and people are cheering him. It was kind of like, you know what? Here's one of ours. He was a local guy. And then we didn't like him. And now we forgive and everything's forgotten. And it's made up. And I really think that meant a lot to Mike having talked to him about it. it was, that was a big moment for him, for sure. You know, being a kid from this area, it was, it was nice to kind of be received by, you know, his own again. Uh, Marty Reisner. Uh, with somebody who else uh, was, was texting him, Glenn Anderson, uh, Kevin Lowe. But I've yet to find a player, and I'm not talking going up and down to the minors. That doesn't count. I'm talking a player who left the organization, went to play another organization, then came back. And uh, this tomorrow night will be Sam Gagne's third tour of duty with the uh, Edmonton Orders. And, uh, hey, talked about it. Uh, he's back. He it's a, It's a place he knows well.
4: Welcome
5: back. Uh, yeah. I mean, you weren't oh, gone that long, but yeah. it's nice to be back so soon in the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is where you want to be, uh, and, um, you know, I'm feeling good. I think it's nice to play some games, get back to just playing hockey, and, um, yeah, no, I'm excited uh, to get going here. How do your hips feel? Really good. Um, played three games, two of them on a back-to-back, and... Played a good amount of minutes, and um, they, they held up really well. I'm uh, really happy with uh, how it's come along. It was more just uh, kind of getting my timing back and. Getting the feeling of playing in games, but um, the hips feel great, and I'm excited to go. Was there a limitation as far as you know speed or mobility before you had them done? Do you feel it like are
3: you quicker, or are you more mobile? Do you feel it different at all?
5: Yeah, I'm definitely more mobile. Um, not having to deal with pain is um, you know something that's really helpful. I think you know when you go through your training, your summer training, um, and then even just you know being able to stay on the ice late and work on things and work on your speed, it just becomes more and more difficult. So. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm really happy uh, with how they feel. And now it's just a matter of going out there and, um, you know, playing as hard as I can and, and
6: uh, helping this team win some games. Jay referenced yesterday, and I think it's a bit of a story for the team, they, they need some scoring from other other forwards besides the top guys. I mean, do you look that you've got to do that or help some other guys get some more
5: well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's always kind of been a part of my game, trying to create offensive chances, um, you know, having some poise with the puck and, and making plays. You know, ultimately, I, I think you have to uh, play hard at both ends of the rink, um, do your best to be solid defensively and not give up anything. And then, you know, when you have the opportunity, you got to try and create some chances. I think, um, you know, whether it goes in or not, it, it's just – uh, an opportunity for your team to get, gain momentum and um, you know help the other lines coming on the ice by, you know, playing in the O zone and um, yeah, it's something I'm gonna you know try and focus on is uh, creating and getting to the net and um, yeah, doing my best to help in kinda any any area that's called upon.
3: You feel are you more comfortable at this stage of your career, center or wing? Does it matter to you?
5: Yeah, I mean, I've I've played both. Um, you know, even in the last uh, last couple of games in the minors, we had 11 forwards. So I played a little bit of both, and um, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable in either position. Um, and you know, I think you know it's a benefit having um, you know played so much uh, in in both positions and and you know throughout a season and playing a bunch of different roles that you, you just kind of uh, learn to adjust and roll with the flow and. Um, so, yeah, I'm comfortable in in either one.
3: So we'll see. Um, they didn't really run lines today. They had 11 forwards. Mark wasn't on the ice. Uh, don't expect them to play, so it'll be 11-7 and seven tomorrow. They had six forwards in blue jerseys and then five in white. The five in white, though, are all guys that will be in your top six. McDavid, Settle, Nugent, Hopkins, Kane, and Hyman. So somebody's going to play with them. The blue ones, though, were Holloway, Brown, Fogel, Ryan, Gagne, and McLeod. Now, last game, and to me, why would you change anything from last game? Like, why would you change it? You just played your best game of the year. I'm putting Warren Fogle with Drysdale and McDavid to start the game. I'm putting Kane, Hyman, and Nugent Hopkins. That was probably the order's best line. There's no reason to change it. Right? You're your top six for sure. If you want to fiddle around with the bottom six because nothing's going, no problem. But uh, Brown's your third line left winger, right winger. So then there's McLeod, who was you, and last time they had McLeod on the fourth line, and so maybe it's McLeod with some speed, with um, you know, maybe maybe you have uh, Gagne down there. I don't know because now you have uh, you know, Brown, Ryan, and Gagne. You know, three right shots, um. I guess Gagne can play center. Ryan's a right winger. You can do that, right? And then just rotate someone down, or maybe you just have Gagne play on the left wing, not the end of the world. So um, I I could see having Brown and Holloway, and then they they rotated McDavid or Drysaddle on that line. I don't mind that, actually. I'd probably prefer that than have them play with Gagne and Ryan, if it's me. And then I would have McLeod as the fourth-line center. I think that kind of makes sense. Doesn't it for you, Connor? Like, to me, like... I think Brown's played better. So, you know, Ryan McLeod's kind of struggling right now. So, you know, add some speed to the fourth line if McLeod's there and he plays. I guess it's Ryan and Gagne. It's not a deal because you got two right wingers. But so what? You can figure it out.
6: Yeah, they can adapt, and I'm with you. I mean, I got a chance, uh, thanks to you, got to sit nice and low last Thursday. And even though it was in the Oilers' loss, I thought Connor Brown did some good things. He was active. He's kind of fine in his legs. He's going to find his his touch at some point and start to contribute. Yeah, I am uh, I am interested to see how the bottom six kind of changes with the addition of Sam Gagne and what he can do. but. Uh, also looking forward to it. Like, uh, Sam Gagne, just a, he's a likable guy. You want to see the best for him. And, uh, you know, he's going to be taking advantage of every opportunity. And I remember him coming into the league at a very young age and just kind of being very wise saying, you know, you got to make an impact one way or another. If it's not scoring goals, you got to do something else to, to make sure people notice you every night out there. So I think Sam Gagne has kind of carried that throughout the entirety of his career. Like you said, at times, if need to, he will drop the mitts and he can, have that aspect in his game as well. So I think you're gonna see a guy who's gonna be fired up to get back to the NHL level, especially with what he's gone through, the the journey back to the NHL after the surgeries, having to play in the AHL. Uh really looking forward to see what he does tomorrow night.
3: Well I think he's gonna get a big round of applause. Uh mm-hmm. you know Sam Gagne, uh you know, he he's been a pretty Pretty big fan favorite for long years because, you know, he was kind of the start of the decade of darkness, right? And I think some fans feel like, you know, there's a connection there. Remember Sam Gagne fighting Kessler and the fans love that one, right? And then also they, they grimaced when uh, he fought Boschman. He was pissed afterwards because no one told him Boschman was a lefty. <laughs> That's what I remember most about that one. He was kind of what I should have known that because Bochman kind of fed him his lunch a little bit. He was tough. He knew how to chuck him. But I remember Gagne as a young guy fighting Kessler and Order fans just loved it. And how could you not? Like you know, Kessler was one of those guys that opposing fan bases hated. So it was a good way to uh, uh, to get in the good books for sure. Uh, we'll find out tomorrow. We are thinking David Perron. We know has done two, two, three tours of duty with one team. Trying to think of other guys around the league because I can't think of an Oiler one. I'll look it up tonight and so we'll find out tomorrow on the show if there's anybody who's had three tours of duty like Sam Gagne will tomorrow night with the Edmonton. Oilers have yourselves a wonderful Wednesday. You could watch the World Series be handed out tonight. It's always exciting, man. Somebody's dream's gonna come true. It's I always find it fun. To watch those type of events. Uh, On behalf of uh, Connor Halley, I am uh, Jason Greger. Have yourselves a wonderful Wednesday evening. Let's get to Sports 1440 Final Sports Update. Brought to you by Fountain Tire. Remember, once the weather hits 7 degrees for 7 days, it's a good time to get your tire changed. Head to FountainTire.com. Check out their winter tire lineup and all the brand offerings they have. FountainTire.com. Good night.
1: only from rustolium